Today is Friday, July 23rd, 2021. Through the corridor of my joy is the pathway to my desire. Abraham. You're listening to episode 252, The Law of Attraction with Zehra Mahoon. But the real problem is self-worth. If you deal with self-worth, all the rest of it goes away. You don't have to worry about it. And so that is the thing. People gravitate towards programs that teach them to manifest more money or to win the lottery or to get uh, uh, a lover or a relationship or get married or have children. So the programs are, sh- are really focusing on those very specific manifestations without pointing out the fact that actually none of that would ever be a problem if you had self-worth. This is the Dance of Life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Thanks for joining me today. And As always, I'm so grateful for you to be in my life today and for me to be in your life. It's a great opportunity always to learn something, to grow, to get inspired. That's what we're all about, right? Today, my guest is Zehra Mahoon. She's a master mindset and law of attraction coach and manifesting expert. She's the author of 12 books on these subjects and the creator of the Unlimited 40-Day Law of Attraction Workout and the Unlimited Universe Mastermind. After committing to completely transforming her self-worth in 2006, she went from being massively in debt to owning multiple properties and creating a thriving business, as well as healing her relationships. Zara helps individuals to identify the blockages that are keeping them from achieving success. She helps them to change their self-talk and develop new thinking habits that open up a world of possibilities. Over the past few years, she has offered 150 talks on TV, public libraries, private workshops, and any opportunity to communicate what she has learned with others. If you want to connect with her, it's www.zmahoon.com. I'll be linking that in the show notes for this episode on the website. Very excited to have Zehra on the show today. You know, we're going to be talking about the law of attraction, how to create abundance in your life, unpacking some heavy money stories that we all have about living in prosperity and and how we relate to money and how to live in abundance, how to live an abundant life. She's going to share her own story of going from totally broke to being financially independent and how she got there and as well as how she is helping other people do the same. So very excited to have her on the show. You know, these types of topics are so relevant today, especially as we have reinvented ourselves in the last year and a half or so with everything that's happened. I think there's a lot more opportunity now to really create abundance, to create independence, and live the life that you want. So very excited to have her here. We're just about to jump into this, but make sure you subscribe, 
like, share, leave a comment, review, whatever it is that you can do through what you're listening. (laughs) I'll look forward to reading it. Let's do this. 252, The Law of Attraction with Zehra Mahoon. Well, hey, nice to have you on the show. I'm so excited, man. I'm looking over some of your stuff here and you've written 12 books. I mean, that's, that is like a real accomplishment. I I just finished my third book and that was, I'm done. I'm done writing for a while. (laughs) I I love writing. (laughs) You know, I love writing. I love, uh, you know, language and talking, but man, I am just like writing a book is a real marathon. So I really uh, highly respect you for writing 12. That is quite an accomplishment. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you. So what was, you know, how did it all start for you? I mean, 12 books, that is, to, to me, that's quite an accomplishment. Not to me, people can say that they've written one book, but 12 and, you know, now you're really helping people with their own, you know, issues, their financial issues. You're helping people heal their relationships. You're uh, helping people utilize the law of attraction, which we'll talk about. It's so important, you know, such an important thing, especially nowadays. I think we have so many opportunities uh, to tap into that law. Everybody has the possibility. And so how did it happen for you? I mean, you your story is very interesting, how it kind of transformed your own financial background and kind of had some breakthroughs with your relationships and things like that. So I'd love for you to share that. It's a long story, but I'll try and condense it as much as I can. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I think that uh, everyone that I've ever spoken to about law of attraction gravitates towards the law of attraction because they have a problem in their life and they have the only resource they have is themselves. They don't have any money or anything else that they can use in order to fix the problem. And that is where I was when I turned towards law of attraction. What is the worst that can happen? All I have to do is change my thoughts. I don't have to actually use any money or, you know, it's just my <laughs> my thinking that I need to shift. Okay, I can do this. I can do that as long as it doesn't require money because that's the one thing I don't have. I, I can do this. So um, I did have numerous problems that I wanted to find the solution to. And it seemed like this was the, uh, the, the least painful solution. Everything else was more painful. It would require uh, financial loss, physical pain, lots of reasons why I didn't want to go down those. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so, you know, and I think that's a lot of people are like me out there that it seems like, okay, if all I have to do is change my thoughts, I'm in because it doesn't require anything else from me. But as I stepped into it, I discovered that it does require a lot of work and it's easier said than done. It's not that easy to change your thoughts. And the biggest problem is you don't know which thoughts to change. So you have to take a step back. Like, I mean, what, what should I change? What am I thinking that is not serving me? What are the thoughts that are leading to self-sabotage and figuring that out 
that's the big hurdle in law of attraction. Once you figure that out, the rest of it is easy. Hmm. So that's a really good. I think that my yeah. No, it's just, I was just saying that it's my personal journey with having to sort out a lot of problems that forced me because I literally, if I had the money that I could use to fix all my problems, I would have done it, but I did not have a single penny. And so changing my thoughts really was the only option available to me, which is why I decided uh, I really have to figure this out because there's no other way. Hmm. You know, so you brought up so many important things. And one of them is that how do you know what thoughts to change, right? It's like we all have these blind spots that operate from the background. And, you know, whether it's our money stories and things that we tell ourselves about money or, uh, you know, fears that we have, right? Self-doubt, that's a big one. I think self-worth is another really big one. And I think you touch on that too in some of your books and writings is the impact of, you know, self self-worth on your ability to attract what you want in life. I think that's a huge one. And I can relate to that too. I mean, I think we all can, right? I mean, I think we all go through this period of time where we evolve and start to claim our self-worth and it's crazy. I mean, it's just really crazy. But then, you know, when you realize how the world works, like what other way would it work? You know, I just, uh, I couldn't see it working any other way that it does, you know? So it's just crazy, but the way it does work that when you do shift, and you start to value yourself, you start to increase that self-worth, you know, things just, I I mean, I want to say magically, but they really do magically shift around. I mean, I I can relate to so many things you said, especially in having no other option, but changing my thoughts. Like, and it's in many ways, it's a blessing because when you don't, you know, when you have money, money is just energy. And so you put money into a broken system and you're just going to keep getting broken results. It doesn't fix the problem, you know? So if you have a change of mindset and you change your beliefs, your self-worth, what do you, you know, if, if the fears that you have, that's a very different story. And then, you know, it's, it's very different when you do have money because the decisions you're making is different, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so my journey basically, and what I teach people is how to figure out which thoughts are not helpful, which thoughts need to be changed, how to change them, and then develop a practice, a daily practice. It has to be like learning a sport or a new skill that you have to apply yourself on a consistent basis with discipline in order to get to a level of, first of all, just learning the skill And once you learn it, then going to the next level, which is mastery. So it is very much a journey. And unfortunately, a lot of people want quick fixes. And it is not a quick fix. Yeah. What what do you think? uh, I want to touch on the whole self-worth piece and how that shaped up in your life specifically, how, how kind of you realize that in your life, but also, you know, what you've seen and written about, you know, in general for people, you know, how that relates to their ability to succeed, to attract what they want to attract. Because I think a lot of times what I've noticed in my own experience, you know, just even my own life or even working with other people, 
is, you know, we can learn a lot of these things like, you know, whatever affirmations or writing, you know, things down or all the things that people do, right. When they think of the law of attraction, but then if there's this fundamental belief underneath all that, that you really aren't worthy of love or you're not worthy of money or, you know, that you, you know, that what you're doing, let's say as a service is not very valuable. You know, these fundamental self-worth, they're so primal. These are very primal beliefs. If that's there, you could do all the law of attraction stuff you want. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to do very much. And so I think self-worth is something that people don't, we don't tend to see that in the law of attraction sort of conversations, or at least the very mainstream ones, because it's an uncomfortable topic. You know, it's a very, uh, you know, obviously uncomfortable to, to talk about not being, you know, feeling valuable and things like that. So what has been your experience, like I said, first in your own life um, and how did that shift for you? And why do you think that's important for other people as well? I think that everything that we want, the secret to it lies in self-worth. And that is why I teach a, a program called Unlimited Heart, which is all about self-worth, changing your beliefs, your negative beliefs, how you see yourself, how you think other people see you. Um, I'm reminded of Dr. Wayne Dyer's words, what other people think of you is none of your business. Mm, and yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so self-worth is the, the reason mainstream is not focusing on self-worth is because self-worth is the most difficult topic. It is the most yeah. difficult thing to change and shift. And that's because it is so internal to us that the outward manifestations of it are misleading because self-worth, self-worth shows up as lack of money. Self-worth shows up mm -hmm. as health problems. Self-worth shows up as problems with your relationship. So what happens is people work on the problem that they can see. But the real problem is self-worth. If you deal with self-worth, all the rest of it goes away. You don't have to worry about it. And so that is the thing. People gravitate towards programs that teach them to manifest more money or to win the lottery or to get uh, uh, a lover or a relationship or get married or have children. So the programs are, are really focusing on those very specific manifestations without pointing out the fact that actually none of that would ever be a problem if you had self-worth. Because at the end of the day, mm. self-worth means that I am able to wield the power of the universe. And if I am able wow. to tap into the power of the universe, I can have the money that I want. I can have whatever relationship I want and I can manifest the health and the body that I want. So self-worth really, you hit upon it, is the key. And it took me a long time to realize it. And then once I did realize it, what was interesting is that that level of introspection is it takes time and it takes discipline yeah to look for those beliefs that are your roadblocks and then learn to turn them around turning those beliefs around takes work <laughs> yeah 
What was one of the hardest ones for you to turn around in your life? I think my hardest one was that I had um, performance anxiety, for lack of mm-hmm. another word. Performance anxiety meaning everyone's watching what I'm doing, and if I don't do it right, I will never be able to live it down. I will be embarrassed for the rest of my life, and I will not be successful because no one will think that I am worthy of success. So performance wow. anxiety and, and thinking that uh, every move that I'm making, every word that comes out of my mouth, every action that I take has to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, then I should not do it. I should not say it. So I woke up on one morning. you've a lot morning, of stages like well, TEDx and you've, you've done a lot of presentations, right? So you are a performer. <laughs> <laughs> in the end, in the end, I, I became yeah. a performer. In the end, I was able to shed all those things that were getting in my way and, and tell myself, it doesn't matter what people think. What really matters is how I feel and how I want to think. And it comes down yeah. to a question of authenticity because if you are not living who you are and who you want to be, then you're wearing a mask. And at the end of the day, you feel suffocated if you are not able to remove the mask. So in my life, I was wearing a mask and then replacing it with another mask for another relationship. And then in another relationship, I'd put on a different mask. So it was just a series of who am I going to be today? And in fact, it was 10 different people that I had to be in the course of a of a single day. In the end, I was exhausted. And I reached mm. a point where I, I said to myself, I can't do this anymore. And I think that um, that authenticity really is what self-worth is all about. But authenticity also does not mean that I, I'm going to hurt someone else's feelings because, or I'm going to step on toes or I'm going to just lash out at society. That's not what authenticity is all about. Authenticity is about being happy with who you are. And, and that means mm. that you don't ever have to fight anyone or anything. It, it's satisfaction, wow. it's peace in the heart. That's really good actually, because that's so funny. I've, I've always wondered how to distinguish that. And you just, you just did it so, so well. I love it because you tied it to self-worth. You know, I, I'm sure you can relate to this, but you know, we all have these friends that uh, on the surface, everybody thinks that they, they just lay it down. They just tell you how it is, you know, they're, they're no bullshit, you know, but in reality, they're actually just very bitter or angry people. And they're just very cynical, you know? And so, um, I think that there's a, like what you just said, there's like this misunderstanding that being authentic means you can just say whatever you want and you're, you know, you don't care about other people's feelings and all this kind of stuff. And that's not really what it's about. That was, that is such a great, great golden nugget. Great point is that authenticity is tied to self-worth because ultimately uh, that allows you to distinguish between when you're being authentic and when you're not, because if you, if you have to, you know, whatever, say something that that's, you know, hurting somebody else's feelings or um, just not, not coming from the right place, then you have to see, okay, you know, 
sometimes you're being authentic and yes, it might hurt somebody's feelings because, you know, you're speaking the truth about something. But the question is, you know, in what situation are you actually being authentic and doing something authentically, or is this coming from a place of lack of self-worth? And that is very, very important. That's so interesting. Yeah. And the, the, the way to do it is because of your vibe, your vibe is what leads to understanding or misunderstanding. So I can Mm. tell you what I truly believe about something and maybe it might be something that is unpleasant to say. But if I say it with love, if I say it in a manner that I really want you to prosper with the advice that I'm giving you, and I, I banish the belief that you might not like it. Because if I believe that you might not like it, then then that's not a pure vibration of love because there's fear in it and fear and love cannot be in the same place at the same time. So if you offer advice, even though it might be unpleasant, but if you offer it with sincerity and with love and with truly wanting to benefit the other person, it cannot go wrong. It only ever goes wrong if you have other emotions mixed in with it. For example, a lot of times people are conscious of what the other person will think of them. A lot of times people are afraid of spoiling a relationship. And when you have all those things mixed in, that erodes the the vibration of love. And at the end of the day, if you tie that back, self-worth means loving myself and loving everyone else so much that I don't need to worry about anything. Hmm. I don't need to be afraid because I know that my love, my place of love and my vibration of love is so unconditional that it cannot waver because of an external factor. I control internally how I want to feel and external factors cannot have an impact on it. Yeah, so, so profound and so important too. I think people, uh, like we said, we, we don't see these kind of conversations too much in the mainstream because it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm curious in your programs and in your experience, how do you, what are some effective ways that you've helped people, you know, get into the practice of self-worth because it is a practice. There is so much to learn and there's so much to continually work on with our self-worth. And so I truly believe it never ends. So how, how do you structure that for somebody who, you know, let's say is coming in and they're, you know, they're bottom of the barrel, they're not feeling too good about themselves. How do you, what are some things that they can do, you know, that, that kind of get them engaged in that practice? Well, what we try and do is to uncover the negative beliefs. So the question to ask is, why do I feel this way? Why am I feeling this way? And is that an external factor that is making me feel that way? Or is it an internal belief that is making me feel that way? 
Either way, when we identify what it is that is causing us to feel discomfort, then we go about looking for evidence it, to shift that belief. Because unless we can provide our logical mind with evidence, we cannot shift a belief. That is why affirmations mm. don't work. Affirmations don't work because you're offering the words, but you're not changing the belief system underneath it. So um, our words have, our, I like to say that our words are like icebergs and they have tentacles underneath or like the roots of a tree. So for example, the word money has, is linked to all your beliefs about money. And soon as you use the word, all those beliefs about money are activated. Hmm. So in the same way, if you are thinking about a person and you have history, some good, some bad about the person, soon as you say the person's name or you think about that person, you activate all your beliefs about them. Some of those beliefs are negative some of them are positive. So what we do is if it was a relationship that we wanted to change, we make a list of all our beliefs about that person. And then we, we identify the negative beliefs and then we switch those negative beliefs around so that they are uh, deactivated. And if they are deactivated, then they don't have any power over us anymore. Oh, that's so interesting too, because uh, the brain works in such a compartmentalized way. And it's so funny how if you, you, you can go from mood to mood just by the things that you think about, <laughs> you know, and that's how right. they're connected to, like you said, like a, like a roots of, roots of a tree. I love that metaphor. And it's so important to analyze beliefs because I think we start with thoughts and we think, oh, I just need to meditate. I need to maybe change my thoughts. But you can't really change your thoughts until you really shift what you believe. You know, and beliefs are where your emotions are. And fundamentally, exactly. I think even at the center of the beliefs, it's like, what do you believe about yourself? You know, going back to that whole self-worth thing, like, like that is the center yeah. of the centers. You know, what, you know what you believe about yourself determines your overall, you know, emotions, right? And then you have other beliefs because of that, you know, so... Yes, That's exactly. So, fascinating. so working on our beliefs mm. is the key because our beliefs can make the path smooth if you have positive beliefs and our beliefs are what put blockages on our path. Yeah. So you can't use the path if there's a blockage on it. I used to always, um, I'm sure maybe you can share some of this stuff too, because you probably do it as well, but I used to always find value in like writing, sometimes I would make people do this too. Like I would make them write out the evidence for a particular belief, you know, because we're constantly accruing evidence for yes. things that happen that are negative, right? I mean, something, for example, with money, let's use money because money's easy. But, you know, let's say you, you find, uh, you know, a dollar on the ground. Most people would just find that rush, put it in their, you know, purse or pocket and then move on their day as opposed to seeing that as an opportunity to create evidence for, Hey, money comes to me and surprises me. Money is so easy that it's coming in my life. Like this is proof, you know, but it's, you know, most of the time we ignore these things and instead we, we really highlight the negative things that happen and we accumulate evidence for 
you know, like you get, a, and I'll use this money example again, but let's say you get a bill in the mail and it's, you know, $20 more than you expected it to be. It's like, oh, pff, you know, money's just running away from me or, you know, money's so yeah. hard. I have to, you know, find it everywhere, you know? So it's just, it's very interesting because I think we default tend to accumulate this big pile of garbage in our brains. And so you really, I've found that, uh, and even in my own life too, I mean, I try all the time to really highlight whenever I do get something, like I said, like I'll get $6, you know, randomly. I'll like, Oh, money comes to me from, you know, unexpected sources. I'm not lying. That's true. I didn't expect that, yeah, you know, so absolutely, it's, it's tuning you into that vibration. And so that I found that to be very effective. Yes. And you see with that, uh, what you said is very powerful, but that's the thing. It has to be top of mind. It has to be top of mind. You have to be able to identify when a negative belief comes up and do something about it right then. Because if you don't, you make the negative belief stronger. Mm. Every time a belief comes up, you are reinforcing it. So unless you do something not to reinforce it, it will become reinforced. And, and I think that that is a key. I'll tell you a little story. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was organizing a retreat. It was a three-day retreat and meals were included. And so, and, and so I was at Costco because I wanted to purchase some snacks and things like that. So I love the Costco sampling stations where you can try out different things. You can't just now because they're not sampling these days, yeah. but <laughs> a couple of years back, they were doing it. And so I was in Costco and I saw this uh, big uh, lineup, really long lineup at one of the, um, the sampling stations. And I thought, oh, this must be something really good. So many people are lined up for it. I want to have some as well. I want to try it. And maybe, you know, it's something good that I can get for the retreat. So I had this big Costco car. Now, if you had, if you would actually see me, I'm very small. I can fit in one of those Costco carts. They're how so tall, How tall are you? No, no, no. You don't ask no? questions like that. <laughs> no, you can't ask women her that's not allowed. I'm just five feet. So if five you feet, saw okay. me in person, I am I am small. And so um, I could fit into one of those carts. Um, and I thought, okay, this is a really big cart. I better park it away from all these people who are gathered around the sampling station. So across the other side of the aisle, there was another sampling station and it was something boring like Gillette blades or something like that. So I parked my, my cart there and I went and got in the line and I got my sample came back to my cart and the lady who was at the other station near my cart she looked at me with a very stern look on her face like she was disapproving and so I couldn't understand the thought in my head was okay I only took one sample literally this is what I thought I thought I did not take more than one sample you know, I only got one sample. What did I do wrong? And then she mm. opened her mouth and she said, you know, you left your handbag in the cart. Someone could have swiped it. And I looked at her and I thought, mm, lady, I am not going to teach you law of attraction, but I do not believe that. And I do not wish to believe that. 
So I said to her, I said, that does not happen in my world. And mm. before she could, I could see that she was going to start an argument. Before she could say another word, I grabbed my cart and I got out of there. What wow. I want to point out is, what I want to point out is, I did not accept her belief. I did the thinking to say, that is what you believe. No, thank you. I don't buy into your philosophy. And that kind of thing does not happen in my world. However, if I had not done that, and she said that could, you know, someone could have swiped your handbag and I said, oh, thank you very much. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying. I have now accepted her belief and made it my belief. Hmm. So if you don't, if you don't, do the self-talk right away, you absorb other people's beliefs. And this is what we've done as children. We have absorbed the health beliefs, the relationship beliefs, the money beliefs of the people that were around us. And through life, not just as children, children, of course, are like blank slates, so you can print whatever you want on them. But even as adults, we go around and we accept those beliefs from other people. Another example would be if you, if it was your first day at work in a new organization and you went in there and someone said, oh, let me help you get, uh, you know, get comfortable here. And they pointed out at someone and they said, you know, stay away from that person. They're not a nice person. Now I can choose to say, Okay, maybe that's how it works in your world. Now, I don't have any issues with anyone. And thank you very much, but I'd like to make up my own mind. Or I could say, oh, thank you for telling me. I'll make sure I remember that. You see the difference? Now, in the one case, I have created a negative belief about a coworker without giving them the benefit of the doubt. And in the other case, I have refused to accept someone else's negative belief. So we really have to be present, mindful of what other people are saying, what CNN is saying, what the radio is saying. And we need to accept only those things from those people and those media that we actually want to incorporate in our life. If you don't want it to happen in your life, don't pay attention to it. And if you do pay attention to it, then find a way to talk to yourself so that you, um, you deactivate the impact of it on your life. You have to diffuse it. Otherwise, it becomes a time bomb. Because like thoughts, see, this is law of attraction. Law of attraction says like thoughts attract other like thoughts. If you accept one thought, it becomes a magnet for other similar thoughts. So it becomes a time bomb. As you attract more and more similar thoughts, and if they are negative thoughts, one day they explode, usually in the form of an accident or in the form of a health situation. Something happens. That's that's so profound. I mean, I, I you said so much in there, and I really want to touch on a couple of things. But yeah, I mean, you have to really prune your mind these days, especially. I mean, I think people are realizing that though, because 
you know, we're in that whole great awakening right now, right? I mean, pretty much everybody's starting to question everything and uh, wake up to many things, whatever, you know, however far down the rabbit hole, whoever's listening is gone. But ultimately, we are questioning a lot of things and seeing through a lot of the establishment. And I think that's a good thing because they say that the, the biggest real estate is the mind, right? <laughs> Every company is advertising and fighting just to have that little piece of real estate in your mind, just to know that, you know, they exist. They, they spend so much money just to plant that little piece of information. And, and I think to be able to prune your mind is so important, which is another thing you mentioned. Uh, this this pruning, this regular pruning that we have to do. I personally find a lot of value in talking to myself. <laughs> yes. Sounds a little crazy, but, uh, you know, I've always talked to myself. I'm an only child. So it kind of started as a way to keep company, I guess. But, you know, uh, you, you develop this habit of being able to just talk through, you know, whatever's going on and then let it go. I, I usually take a walk at night, like before I, I do all my nighttime routine stuff, I like to go on a nice long walk and sort of just talk through whatever I need to talk through and then sort of figure out, okay, what am I letting go for today? What am I, you know, moving forward on? And so I think that regular pruning process is so, so important. And like you said, you have to find time to do it because unfortunately, I think there's so much distraction these days too, which again, you know, the, the system does not, uh, at least the system we've built up, not the actual system, the real system that's been around for thousands of years, that's perfectly made for us to create reality. But the system that we have created on top of that, and by we, I mean the select few that uh, wish to profit, obviously, uh, is very much built for distraction. And it's not built to support your creative ability. It's built to keep you uh, you know, sort of distracted so they can make money off of your creativity, I think, you know. So I think we really have to break free from these distractions and really make time for ourselves. I've always talked about the importance of spending time with yourself, you know, whether it's in nature or some quiet time, just doing something that helps you reflect and prune, like you said, sort of, you know, let go of some of these things as, as they infiltrate your mind. Because every day there's something that infiltrates our mind, right? Yeah. I mean, there's Absolutely. every day you're, you're suggested something every day you are presented information that is sometimes unknowingly false, sometimes knowingly false, you know, and you have to really, you have to be in charge of what you believe more so than ever. I think uh, these days. Absolutely. There's so much information coming at us every day yeah. that we need to sift and sort through it all to make sense of what we actually want to believe and what we want to discard. Yeah. So you have to be active, actively uh, doing that. And if you're not, then you're absorbing all of it. So true. So true. Absolutely. What are, um, what are some daily habits that you, that you do that are successful, that are, that have helped you in this, this journey and, and kind of be, be who you are today and that you think other people can incorporate in their daily routines? I think that one of the most important things that became a habit with me was setting a morning intention. Mm. Setting a morning intention, uh, which is, it's part of a 40-day workbook, a law of attraction workbook that I wrote many years ago. But that morning intention about having a good day, about being good to myself and others, about um, 
being open to guidance about ending my day feeling happy and satisfied, that intention, that morning intention is so important because it sets the tone for your day. And it reminds you how you want to behave. It reminds you how you want to respond to what's happening in the world. It reminds you what's important to you. And what is important is to end the day with satisfaction. If you've ended the day feeling happy and satisfied, then what else matters? Nothing else matters, right? That's true. So um, a morning intention, extremely important. And then a nighttime pre pre-going to bed intention of saying to yourself that you are absolutely going to shut down your logic, your mind. It's done its job. You don't need it to keep thinking as you sleep. So shut it down. Tell it because your mind at the end of the day, you are the master of your mind. It is an organ just like any other organ. And you can give it an instruction. You can say, all right, you're done doing this. Keep monitoring bodily functions, but I don't need you to be thinking while I sleep. When we get our mind out of the way, that is when our bodies can rejuvenate. Because energy can flow unfettered through the body when the mind is out of the way. See, it comes back to those, uh, the chakras in the energy centers in our body. They are affected by the thoughts that we think during the day. But at night, if you stop your thinking process, now energy can flow freely. And when energy flows freely, healing, rejuvenation takes place. That is when you wake up feeling refreshed. Because if you keep thinking through the night, then you haven't really slept. So... I, I sleep so well that I actually have to sit at the edge of my bed to offer my nighttime intention because if I don't, if I put my head to pillow, I am gone. That's great. <laughs> yes, it is really very, very um, powerful. And so I think that having an intention and then during the day as well, if you are uh, attempting a task and you want it to turn out a certain way, have an intention. I, I set up an intention for this podcast interview. And, and I find that when you do that, now you're setting yourself up with a vibrational goal, an emotional mm. goal. You see, we always set up ourselves with action-oriented goals. But what makes those action-oriented goals easy to achieve is having uh, an emotional goal. So true. I do think we we, t we tend to look at things based on the surface level, logical, how, who, what, where, when, but the why is really all that matters, you know, and that, that takes a different kind of muscle. I think you really have to practice flexing that because, you know, it's, uh, there's this exercise, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but it's kind of like uh, you you ask why until you start crying, <laughs> basically. You know, you ask why until you you really feel a, a reason or an explanation. You can say, well, why am I doing this? And you say, well, you know, you have an explanation. And that explanation is usually a very surface level, yes. you know, logical thing. And then you say, well, why that? 
and you go a little deeper, deeper. And pretty soon, you know, you, you get down to the core of like, well, this is why I'm actually doing it. And that's, that's what you connect to, but connecting to those layers, um, that's definitely a muscle for sure. And I, I completely agree with you because it's so important. Otherwise you're operating in, in logical town, you know, logical town is just so flimsy. It's like a house of cards. It can, you know, go with the wind, you know, but when you really can access those deep emotional reasons as to why you're doing it, or, or let's say you're creating a project, like you said, and tune into a deep emotional reason as to why you're doing it. And you have access to that right away. There's no, you know, you know, trying to sit there an hour trying to get motivated. I think that's really when you unlock a different level of success in your life, because I think a lot of people just get lost. You know, they get lost in the who, what, where, when, how they get lost in the steps in the, in the goal planning, you know, all these things that are obviously part of the process, but they forget the fundamental thing, which is connecting with your heart and, and your why, like your true why as to why you're doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And the interesting thing about connecting with your why is that when you peel that onion, you find that everything is motivated by a desire for happiness, joy. Mm. You know, why, why do I want this thing that I want? Well, ultimately I want it because it makes me happy. Why do I want to do this activity? Well, ultimately speaking, it makes me happy. So I think that we're all looking for joy in different ways, but really the goal is that place of joy, Hmm. satisfaction and joy. Yeah. You know, it's funny when we were children before we kind of, uh, ate from the tree of good and evil, right? So to speak. Uh, when we were children, we were doing things just because we wanted to do them. You know, I mean, I didn't really have a particular reason as to why I like mm-hmm. going outside and going in the tree yard in the tree house or, you know, playing catch with my friends. It was just because it was something fulfilling. Fun. It was yeah. fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. I that's mean, right. that's, that's the whole point of life is to be here in this amazing game and, and play and enjoy what this is. You're not going to be here that long. I mean, and presumably, you know, who knows what happens afterwards. There's a lot of debate about that, but something happens. And either way, this is a very rare and unique circumstance that we're in. And so why not enjoy it as much as possible? Just this morning in, uh, in the mastermind group, I was discussing this with the members and Uh, we were, our subject this morning was that we always only have temporary possession of anything that we own in this life. Yeah. So it's all all temporary possession. Yeah. You're just renting. You're constantly just renting stuff. I mean, there's no such thing as ownership. I mean, probably the closest thing is your body, but you know, even that you're, you're just renting that you're renting it out. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's one of those things too. I think, alongside the other things that we talked about, like with self-worth, I would lump that into one of those critical life principles that people have to develop a relationship with, you know, which is, again, we talked about self-worth, but this other one we just mentioned, which to me, I call it impermanence or just this, this transitory nature of, of everything, you know, you're, you're renting out everything. And when you really get that, you know, it's, it's a very profound shift because it also changes your relationship to money too. You know, I always say be a, be a space for money to move upon rather than to be a container in which the money ends up in, you know? And so one is like very much holding on to things. uh, Whereas the other one allows 
movement and transition. You can't you can't grab running water from a faucet. You know, it's the same thing with with life. And if we really understand this idea of impermanence, which again to me it's just a fundamental principle that that you have to get in tune with every day, because I think the brain wants permanence in everything it does. You know, it wants to put its foot down and say, "Oh, this is what it is." You know, this is you know this is solid ground. But really, I mean, <laughs> everything's yeah, changing everything's all shifting. the time. Yeah. Oh, yep. Everything's changing yeah, all the time. So and that's tough, especially when if you're a perfectionist both. and you're, you're a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist too. I'm a recovering perfectionist as well. <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, it's a tough thing to relate to because we want things to be okay. This is what it is. And it's very, you know, <laughs> precise, but, so but I, I think that's a very valuable idea is also. And realizing. that concept of attachment is one of the biggest hurdles so there's yeah. a, one of my one of my books is called manifesting mistakes and in that book i talk about how we put the obstacles on our path because of attachment to the outcome mm. we dig in our heels and we want this thing and we want it now and we want it forever and in fact thinking about it that way is what pushes it further away yeah, it's uh, it reminds me of this funny story that I ended up writing about also in this last book that I wrote. It was a chapter on desire and, um, you know, basically chasing and, and all these kind of things we're talking about mm-hmm. now. And there's this, it's so funny, there was this uh, salsa club that I used to go to, to go out dancing. And in it was like, it was a really shady kind of club. I don't know, it was just in a weird part of town, but it was fun. And, and in the back of the club, there was like this separate bar room. And in the bar room, there was this arcade game. It was kind of like an arcade game. It wasn't really an arcade, but it was a game where they had live lobsters where you could basically pay. It was expensive. Too. It was like a dollar to try to grab one with a hook, one of these little toy hooks, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, if you think critically about it, there's no fucking way you're grabbing that lobster because the moment that slow hook, you know, goes in the water that that thing will feel it and just boom, you know, it's lobsters are very fast in water, actually. I mean, at least for short distances. And, you know, you see these people like they're so hungry to get that lobster because it's like, man, that that promise of this juicy big lobster that you can, you know, catch for yourself. And it's so funny uh, because to me, it kind of was like a a metaphor. It's like, you know, the desire is like, it's so, um, it's ironic, you know, because for example, like you said, you want something and we want it so bad. And ironically, the moment that you get what you want, you cease to desire it. So it's sort of like a, uh, an ironic trap because all of the motivation, all of the excitement, all of the presence that you get, so all the benefits you get from that desire instantly evaporate the moment you satisfy it, which, you know, so it's like, well, how can I harness that sense of uh, motivation? How can I harness that hunger and that presence without having this up and down sort of pattern in my life, you know? And that's really when we can shift uh, that same kind of hunger to, rather than the outcome, to the process, to the practice. You know, like if a kid was playing with the lobster, it wouldn't matter if, you know, if you caught it or not, it would just be matter like, oh, let me see it run away. Let me, let me see it move in the water. It's a different perspective, right? It's more like a game and like you're playing you know, with the lobster rather than trying to catch it. And then, you know, you go through all this exhaustion and then let's say you do catch it, which probably would take you a very long time. And then you, there's no more point to it anymore. So it's just so interesting 
how that outcome focused, you know, sort of mindset is seems logical on the surface, but actually it is very futile underneath. You know, it really doesn't allow us to create the life we want to create. So true. I agree. And so I've discovered that the best place to want to be is satisfaction. When you're satisfied, you're enjoying everything around you. You are where you are is a good place, but yet you are reaching for more. And I always say that joy is transient, just like you just said. Joy is not a permanent feeling. You can't hang it, hang out in a place of joy all the time. Yeah. You have to come out of it, but we don't have to come out of it and go rock bottom down to despair or down to anger or fear or you know a negative emotion. We can come out of joy and just hang out in satisfaction because satisfaction is a place where you can hang out for a very, very long time. Yeah. And presence is a big part of that too. You know, I feel that uh, ultimately you you can have everything you want in life, but if you are not present to what you already have and you make a habit, that's another, I would say, maybe lump that in as well to all these different success habits, you know, self-worth, impermanence, and presence to being able to appreciate and tune in, at least at the very least, tune into the present moment to what you have because the mind is constantly creating these structures and intellectual plans and uh, schemes. And, you know, you, it, it's almost like a double-edged blade, right? Because ultimately we need to do that to create the life we want to live. You know, if you want to plan a, a vacation to Hawaii, then you have to plan it. You have to do the intellectual work to plan it, obviously, right? It doesn't just spontaneously happen, but you, in doing that, you, you take yourself out of the present moment, you know? And so there's this double-edged blade of like, I'm creating, I want to create the life I want to live. And to do that, it requires some planning, obviously some, some planning and, but it don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck in your head. I feel, I see a lot of people, for example, in the personal growth space where, and myself included for a little while, I mean, it's easy to get addicted to personal growth in the sense that you are just going to seminars all day or, you know, just trying to get the, what's the next nine hacks that I need to do for spiritual enlightenment or whatever else, you know, and ultimately like, sure, none of that stuff is bad. I don't think it is, but um, to me, presence, you know, you live in the present moment. There is no other place that we exist. And so that, that is ultimately the priority. You have to be able to come back to the present moment and be able to dance between those sort of that future that you're planning and creating and also come back to the present moment. I think that's really important. So, you know, um, you asked me before, and I'm going to circle around to that question of what have I incorporated in my life as the things that I do that keep me in that place of having a good life in a place of satisfaction. Yeah. And as you were talking, we have to be present. You are absolutely, there are habits that we need to acquire that when those habits become our norm, our way of living life, our way of looking at the world, then we no longer need to, um, it becomes easy because we've reprogrammed our way of doing things. So 
while you're acquiring a new skill, you do have to be more present. But once you acquire that skill and reach a level of mastery, what that means is that that new skill is now your default position. Mm. For example, when you start learning how to drive a car, uh, you're very conscious of where the speedometer is, how fast you're going, and you know, you're you're constantly looking around for road signs that tell you what the speed limit is, et cetera. And then after a while, you become so good at it, you get so used to it that it doesn't require your conscious thought. And practicing law of attraction is exactly like that. In the beginning, it takes effort. But once you do the work and you do have to do the work, once you acquire the skill, once you prime that muscle, then it becomes your default response to whatever is happening around you. And now you don't need to exert that effort and be as mindful. So what I did was some time back, a couple of years ago, I noticed that there were things that I was doing, habits that I had acquired, that as long as I did those things on a daily basis, my life was amazing. And when I stopped doing them because I got really busy enjoying the fruits of my work, then life didn't go as smooth. And, mm. and I would, after uh, two weeks or three weeks, I would start thinking, oh, I better start doing that work again because I got such good results and, and I stopped and, and now my results aren't coming as fast and furious. So I would get back on and start doing those things that I was doing before. And so the things that I did are the morning and nighttime intention that I shared with you, appreciation, which you brought up, and I completely agree, appreciation for things in nature, appreciation for things that we already have, the food we eat, where we live, the relationships that we have, debriefing your day, which is also something that you talked about, giving yourself a pat on the back for things that you're doing well, visualization, asking for joy. And here's the one that I think made a lot of difference. And that is asking the universe, the universal forces for help in everything that you do. So I, I'm going to do this task. I would like it to be easy. I would like help. And what that does is it brings forth the, the knowing that we can trust that things will work out for us. And when you do it for small things, then it also happens for the bigger things in life. Mm. So, um, and then meditation. Meditation is like a shortcut that takes you into higher vibration without doing the thinking work. And that's the value of meditation. Meditation does not involve the effort of having to do the thinking work. All the other exercises are about self-talk. They are about managing your thoughts. Meditation is not. So I compiled all of these exercises in a workbook and it's called the Unlimited 40-Day Law of Attraction Workbook, which oh, cool. if anyone is interested, it is available on Amazon. Super. And that's they can just work through it pretty much and, and fill it out. It's and all a that stuff. Very that's cool. right. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, all that stuff I can totally relate to. I 
I'll have to do more of the patting myself on the back one. I, I don't do that too much of that. I mean, I should, because like you said, it's so important to acknowledge uh, the things that you do do. You know, I think especially when you are creative or your mind is running a million miles an hour, you, you, you forget to stop and appreciate your own successes and the things, how far you've come and how, you know, how much you've created. And again, finding that evidence in your life, you know, it's, it's like, okay, on to the next thing. We're like, wait a minute, I, this is yes. really good. I'm really proud of myself today. Yes. And Absolutely. that's, uh, that's a never struggle, especially if you're a, a perfectionist. I mean, it's so funny. I still find that when I, the other day I had like, I don't know, some, somebody canceled or something. I had basically more time, more free time on my hands than I'm used to having. And it's almost like you feel nervous you know, or guilty or, <laughs> You know, it's, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for a bike ride and just kind of <laughs> slow my mind down because it's okay to have extra free time. Yeah. It's Absolutely. okay to do, it's okay to do nothing, you know, and it's, uh, it's a constant reminder for sure. Do you have any, uh, no rules, like any boundaries that you use that you want to share? Basically things that you say no to in your routine or schedule or whatever. Um, I never take on more than I feel comfortable with. And I used to. So I had to learn how to say no. Yeah. And once you start understanding that saying no is better, it is uh, painful for two minutes and then things improve rather than say yes and then spend a, a whole week um, lamenting the fact that you said yes just say no. So I just have this rule that I am very conscious of um, my time commitments to my various roles as a mother, as a business owner, as a friend and sister and, you know, all my relationships. And anytime I tell you, anytime you put yourself out of balance, then life does not feel good. And it will absolutely catch up with you eventually. Yeah. So keeping a balance and everybody's way of balancing is different because we are all different. And the things that we want that put us in a place of balance are different. So I think that everyone needs to know what their place of balance is. And that's what my boundary is. I feel that if I want to step outside my boundary, then I have to expand my comfort level with things rather than jump first and then regret. So I, I like to maintain my balance. And if I have to change things and, uh, you know, say no, then I'm, I, I've reached a point where it's not a problem for me to do so anymore. Yeah, balance is is an important word too, and I think uh, I think of it in terms of. Yeah, I mean, I, my background's in movement, so that was a huge topic, obviously, that I studied, and I think it's the same in life too. I, I always say it's, balance is not scales; it's a juggler. It's like a juggler basically juggling, yes. you know, a couple balls, and then absolutely, it's a very different way of looking at it. You know, the juggler is maintaining balance over time, dynamic balance. Yes. Scale, you know, it's not this, it's never going to be this perfect, you know, I'm going to work four hours and I'm going to rest for four hours. Well, you know, you might have to work six hours today, you know, and, and yes. you might not be able to rest that much. So yeah, it's a dynamic balance for sure. Yes, for sure. Yes. 
you have uh, unlimited 40 day law of attraction workout as well too, right? Can you talk about that? A that is bit? the workbook that I was just. Oh, that's the workbook. Oh, okay. That's the workbook. Okay. That nice. is the workbook. Yes. That's cool. Yes. I bet that's going to be very valuable. And that's on Amazon. You said, right? Yes, that's right. And I think, I think we'll, we put a link for that in the show notes. So uh, people can grab it. That's, that's really cool. Amazing. Awesome. Hey, well, one more question for you, Zara. What are you most grateful for today? Today? Yeah. I Today, I am grateful for so many things. I'm appreciating absolutely beautiful weather. Uh, the, the Where are you at again? I am just outside an hour and a half away from Toronto. Oh, nice. Okay, yes. super. So uh, in my neighborhood, the trees are waking up. We have cherry blossoms and apple blossoms everywhere. Wow. And just no the allergies. Trees are, oh, no. <laughs> no. Good, good. No, they are beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous. I am so appreciative of my puppy because well, she's not a puppy, but she's my puppy. Um, and the, the way that she approaches life, everything is exciting. Everything is new. Every day when she wakes up and I take her out for a walk, it's a new day and it's beautiful. Um, trees are amazing. My, I have two cats and they're amazing. My children are absolutely amazing and the joy of my heart. And just being, I am so blessed that I do the work that I do because the feeling of helping someone get an aha moment where something clicks in and now it's going to enable them to completely change the way they were looking at something and, and do something in their life that brings them better results. That feeling is amazing. And I just had that feeling today. Oh, with cool. And so um, I think that that actually is the driver that keeps me coming back every day. That feeling is amazing. And most of all, I am so appreciative of the fact and grateful for that uh, I am celebrating 10 years in business. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. And so we are, that celebration actually kicks off today. It's a three-day celebration. Wow. That's really cool. Today is the kickoff. It's, it's, yeah. So I have a, a, a retreat, the, the Peace Within Spiritual Reset Weekend cool, and cool. the celebration of 10 years in business. That's awesome. And that's cool that you're doing that. You know, not too many people uh, take the time to do that. So that's really cool. Yeah, that's I'm so, so grateful for where I am and so appreciative of all the people who have been part of my journey and just so feeling so blessed that I can do this what I'm doing. All right, all right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend, Zechra. You know, law of attraction is something that is kind of overdone in some sense, right? Everybody talks about it, but it truly is the way the world works. You are a vibration that resonates with the core vibration of abundance and prosperity in the world. I truly believe that. And the real 
thing is how do we align our our vibration with that with that core one so that everything works of itself right that everything just kind of happens and it doesn't mean necessarily doing nothing or sitting around although doing nothing can be done intentionally right so it's really about being intentional and being aware and being active whether that means doing a lot of actions or waiting patiently and intently because sometimes we have to wait with that intention in our mind and and be patient and not act. Those both are true. So I hope you enjoyed this episode today. If you want to connect with my guest, it's www.zmahoon.com. As always, thank you so much for being here. Let's not forget, quote from the very beginning, through the corridor of my joy is the pathway to my desire. Abraham. Great quote, very old quote, obviously. You know, to me, this quote just simply reminds me to be joyful. Don't forget to be joyful today. Joy is such a virtue to be simply happy and excited about life and and the simple things of life and to think less. This is something that is an eternal practice. I know for me it is because I think a lot and I have to think a lot for the things that I do, but I'm ultimately reminded that Life is meant to be participated in, not to be understood. So allow yourself to be joyful today. Enjoy. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy every little moment. And we'll see you on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. Don't forget, your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.